Welcome to the Financially Independent Teachers Podcast, where educators come together to discuss their journey on the road to financial independence. Now, please join our co-host, Dave and Brandon, as they prepare to help other educators get fit with their finances. Welcome, <clears throat> joining us on episode 101 of the Financially Independent Teachers Podcast. If you think your story can help other educators and you'd be willing to come on the show, please shoot me an email at getfiteducator at gmail.com. And coach, man, we just had episode 100, big announcement. Why don't you go ahead and recap that for the listeners? Well, I mean, you know, for those of you that listened, uh, you know, we actually, uh, we, we went video, right? Uh, people saw us. Uh, we didn't just go audio, and it was um, we just released our our first book that has come from the show, the Fit Position. So hopefully, um, hopefully that will help a lot of people. You know, we started this thing as just a labor of love. Uh, it's still just a labor of love. You know, um, we just want to see teachers do well. We 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 care about education. We want to see um, students do well. Students do well when t- when teachers can focus on teaching. And one of the ways that we get teachers focusing on teaching is help them win with money and not have to worry about being in debt and struggling. And all my career, I've seen really fantastic teachers either leave the profession or become less fantastic because of financial problems. And I have, I mean, I've seen some really good teachers head out the door and go do other things. And, and, you know, these are teachers that you would want your kids in their classrooms because they were really good at what they did. And they could have probably continued with education and achieved their financial goals, but they just didn't really know how to win with money. So all of these interviews we've done with with not just specialists, but especially teachers who are winning with money, you know, we've taken all that stuff, put it into a book and said, look, here it is. You know, it, it's it's less than 25,000 words. And if you and if you follow this fit position, you'll do well. And, you know, hopefully it's going to help a lot of people. And it's, it's interesting because we've had two teacher household incomes. We've had single teachers. We've had divorced teachers. Yep. Uh, North Carolina, where we're located, obviously has been a tough state financially with what's been going on the last decade or so. But we've had four or five North Carolina teacher or teacher couples that are net worth millionaires that have come on our show just in the first 99 episodes. We've had single teachers do it. We've had teachers in other states do it. We've had divorcees that start over in their mid-40s and they're on their path to be millionaires uh, by the time that they retire. And a lot of these things align up with Ramsey Solutions, with the millionaire study that they had. The principles are the same. Uh, We've got George Camel back on the show just in a second, but the White Coat Investor was recently on our show in the the previous season, in season two. And he said, whether you make $250,000 a year or $50,000 a year, 90% of the principles are the same. So I am so excited, Coach, to welcome another Ramsey personality back to the show. And we're going to be discussing one of the main imperatives of our book, and that's being frugal. And who else better to talk about frugality than George Camel? George, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. I don't know if it's a compliment, but I will take it. I am unashamedly very frugal, and it runs through my veins. And uh, congrats on the book, by the way. It's incredible. Thank you very much, George. Yeah, you know, we, we were sitting back and we were talking about, um, you know, like, who do we want on the show for those 10 episodes right after the announcement, you know? And uh, your name is at the top of the list, man. We love wow. you. We love listening to you. We love uh, uh, love your message. And, um, 
you know, the idea was is to have people come on that could really kind of specialize in maybe one of the impairs. Of course, you could specialize in all three of them easily. But uh, but we love your stuff on being frugal, you know, and, and living on a budget and getting out of debt and just being smart with the decisions you make. Because teachers, we, you know, it is teachers when they complain, they're not wrong. And on most states, we we do make a salary that makes it difficult, but not impossible. As a matter of fact, very possible. You just can't make mistakes. You can't you can't go deep into debt. And, you know, you're not going to be able to catch up. You've got to be smart, really kind of from the jump and get going. And we said, I mean, George Campbell's the perfect guy to come on and just kind of speak to that a little bit. And um, so we, we love ha- we love having you on the show. And thank you so much for coming back. Oh, absolutely. I was just on a Zoom call with a classroom and they're going through our foundations and personal finance and the teacher got in touch and we did a fun Zoom Q&A with them. And I've just got such a big heart for teachers and especially what they're doing to help kids understand personal finance. It's something that as they're underserved currently. The parents aren't doing it. Society for sure isn't doing it. Uh, TikTok is trying to do it in the wrong way. And so teachers are our best resource to help the next generation get a handle with their money. And it's part of the reason I love them so much. So being on the show with Dave, obviously, you're, you're up there with them all the time now. Am I right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We host the show a few days a week. It's, you know, it's, I feel like a wiener in a steakhouse when I'm hosting the show with Dave Ramsey, uh, if I'm going to be honest, but it is such an honor and a privilege to get to sit next to that guy who has meant so much to me, where the principles have changed my life and to sit and we're both giving out money advice to folks who need help. Uh, it's, there's nothing more I'd rather do with my life for sure. I love it. That's how I got out of debt was literally listening to Dave's podcast every day. You know, I started a side hustle business. I had to be fearless for that coach. That's imperative too. Uh, I took a chance, you know, putting myself out there. Could I really, you know, would anybody hire me to cut their grass? You know, it's the door to door, go house to house on the cul-de-sac ends up turning into 40 yards. Um, and as you're cutting grass, listening to whatever for, you know, six hours a day in the summer, what better thing to listen to other than Dave Ramsey. And I was getting out of debt at that process. Um, but that was the motivation to move forward. That's awesome. I haven't listened as much now that I've gotten out of debt, although I I love the millionaire stories. That's kind of the next inspiration. And I know Dave's got a new book about that from baby steps to millionaires, I believe it's called, but can you talk about this imperative that we have in our book of frugality and what you're hearing with uh, the callers that call into show into the show and what some of the issues are with being frugal, maybe overspending. Mm. Well, frugality, you know, for me, it stems from the culture I grew up in, with, which was a Middle Eastern culture. My parents are immigrants who moved to this country back in the 80s. And so I watched, growing up, I watched my dad cut coupons in the Sunday paper, and I would go through it with him, and we figure out what we were going to buy that next week with our coupons and how we were going to do it on a budget and meal plan. So that's where it started. It was just in my blood that I'm like, wait, people just pay full price for things without doing the research? This is crazy. Uh, But as we look out there with marketing being so modern and high tech, everything feels like a deal. We're constantly bombarded with things that make us feel like we're frugal because it says 20% off the MSRP price. And so you have to be way more intentional now than you, when you were 20 years ago, because they know how to get into our brains and make us think something's a deal. And we can justify those purchases all day long. And it's one of the reasons America is $887 billion in credit card debt. It, it is, you know, and you, you mentioned the coupons. One of the things that we talk about quite a bit, or we, we actually focus a whole chapter on it, are the areas 
in a middle income earner's life where they overspend. And groceries and eating out are definitely two of those on that list, you know. And what are some other things that you've seen maybe with callers or maybe just in your own personal experience that middle income earners are just overspending? They're just they're just spending too much on. Well, food for sure is the number one area, and that can be two areas. Number one is groceries, and number two is eating out. And so you kind of split those up. And you know our principles. When we say we're getting out of debt, it means we are not eating out, and that hurts a lot of people's feelings. That might be one of our most controversial takes. And of all the things we talk about, people go, you're not taking away my fast food. You're not taking away my restaurants. And part of the reason we are not able to get out of the hole that we're in is because we're unwilling to make the right sacrifices. And so to me, there's kind of a bar there where we go, are you really in? Are you really willing to, to put down the Oreo, so to speak, if you're looking to lose weight? Are you willing to make sacrifices for the short term to win in the long term? And to me, if you say no to restaurants, that means you're serious about this. This is not a game. We're not playing anymore. You drew the line on the sand. And you said, never again am I going to be in a financial position that causes me to lose sleep, that causes uh, my relationships to suffer, my work to suffer. And so that, to me, it's not really about yeah, you saved money because you didn't eat out. It's the mentality that you have that nothing is going to get in my way. There will be no distractions that cause me to stay in debt any longer than I have to. And so that's really the spirit of it. When Dave says rice and beans, beans and rice, it's more of a mentality. We get people who call and say, Dave, I've only been eating rice and beans. And he goes, you can eat other things. Um, I don't know how to explain that. But it's the idea that you're living on cheap staples, the necessities, we're not living luxuriously while we're in a pile of debt. So that's what it comes down to when it comes to the food area. The other ones are definitely consumer spending, shopping, subscriptions, all the little luxuries that we have in life. And the, the main areas we look at are the four walls, food, utilities, shelter, and transportation. Well, if you've got a big car payment and you've got a bloated mortgage payment, things you can't afford, it might mean some major sacrifices. might mean you need to sell the car, downsize the house. We've had people who call in and they sell their house and move it into an apartment in order to speed up their debt paying process. Now, I don't recommend that for everyone as a, as a principle, but it's that level of sacrifice that causes people to win. And when you start doing a budget is when you really start to go, oh, my gosh, I had no idea we were spending $800 on food just on eating out. And so until you do a budget, you're not really paying attention. And so that's kind of the level floor, the groundwork you have to do is get on a plan, get on a budget to start paying attention. Yeah. And actually, you know, when it comes to the eating out, you know, one of the things that we talk about in the book a little bit is also getting coffee. You know, some people get, they, they go buy that coffee every single morning. You start adding that up, that, that becomes a lot, you know, um, or the, or, or the energy drinks, you know, every afternoon I got to have that energy drink. And, um, you know, every time you stop at the gas station, it turns out you don't have to go inside. Uh, you know, uh, you I know, try not to go inside. Ever. I try not to go inside as well. The other thing that I have noticed among teachers, I don't know if it's like this in other things, but among teachers, teachers get time off. You know, we get spring break, we get a Christmas break, we get a summer break. And it's almost like we think we have to go on vacation every time that happens. And it doesn't matter if we have cash, we'll put it on credit cards. And so that's another thing that we've we've kind of tried to address and just said, look, you can go on vacations, but do you have to take a pilgrimage to go see the mouse uh, and spend ten thousand dollars? You don't have to do that. I mean, you could go camping in the in the local state park and spend you know pennies on the dollar compared to what you would be spending and still make great memories. You know, and yeah, some oh, of the yeah. best memories that I have with my family so far, my kids are nine and eight years old, is 
literally game night. You know, you break out the game, you play left, right, center, you play catchphrase. And those memories are probably even better than the the trip down to, to Disney. Honestly, that's fun. But, you know, it lasts for three or four days. You've walked 15,000 steps a day and you're just ready to be home at that point. But yeah. it's funny that you say that about teachers, coach, <laughs> because, George, I think what happens a lot is teachers have that idea of, again, I've got to travel. I've got two weeks for Christmas. I've got a, a week off for spring break. I've got two and a half months for summer. But then you ask those same teachers, hey, you know, I know you don't get paid during the summer months. What about picking up a job? There's a lot of teachers that say they shouldn't have to pick up that job in the summer. But if you're in debt, you might have to do it. But it's just for a season. As I started listening to Dave Ramsey, my wife and I had just bought a new vehicle for her. We had the excuse. I'm sure you hear it all the time. We need a bigger, safer, more reliable vehicle now that we have kids, right? Oh, yeah. So we did that. And we took out the the $35,000 car loan, even though I had a paid for truck. And after uh, about 18 months or so of driving that vehicle, I'm teaching the foundation, foundations of personal finance class to my high school kids. And I'm talking about living a debt-free life. And I'm thinking, man, I'm a hypocrite. Here I am talking about living a debt-free life. And from that moment on, I would actually bring up our Ford credit payment in front of the class. I had picked up that side wow. hustle business job and the kids would see me make extra principal payments on there. And by the time the school year was over, we all got to celebrate together and get debt free. And then I paid off, or excuse me, my paid for truck. I ended up selling that, bought a beater, as Dave would call it, the Dave car, which I know he doesn't want that to be your Dave car. But I had my my truck that was really nice. I sold it to pay off the rest of the debt. But how wow. willing are you to make those sacrifices? And it's only a season of time. You're not going to be eating rice and beans for five years. You're not going to be driving a clunker for five straight years. It's a means to an end, right, George? That's so true. And I remember doing those side hustles when I was in debt. I was $40,000 in debt between my credit cards, my student loans. I had just started my job at Ramsey, just got a hold of these principles, went through Financial Peace University. And so I got real creative and I was going, where else can I make money? So I started selling stuff. I had some old music gear from my past musician life. I, mean, I could sell it. I'm not using that guitar. It's collecting dust. Let me go sell that on Facebook Marketplace and make 500 bucks. Okay, now what can I do to bring in extra income? And so I signed up for Uber and for Lyft, got some sign-on bonuses with them, started driving on nights and weekends. I even did the Nielsen scanner where you carry around like a little beeper and it's listening to all the things you're listening to for the Nielsen ratings. And I would get like 20 bucks a month doing that, uh, just carrying that around. I started doing side hustles, doing marketing consulting and building websites for people and small business owners. And then on the other side, I started cutting expenses. And that meant... I was waiting for the Lean Cuisines to go on sale at my local grocery store, five for $10. And I would stock up. If you looked at my freezer, it was like there was a Lean Cuisine apocalypse about to happen, and only I knew about it, because it would literally be 15 Lean Cuisines stacked this high in my freezer. Uh, not the healthiest lifestyle, I will say. But for $2 a meal, I was doing the math, going, okay, that's 2 bucks a meal. You know, if I was even making a meal, I don't know that I could make a meal much cheaper than $2. And so it was sacrifices like that that caused me to have margin in the budget. So remember why you're doing all this. It's to create margin. When you spend less and you make more, you have more margin in your budget, which means more money can go towards that debt, which means you pay off the debt faster, which means you sacrifice for a, for a shorter amount of time. And so I don't want you to have to sacrifice for seven years if you don't have to. Some people do because they have a pile of debt, hundreds of thousands of dollars. It looks different for everyone. But for me, I was... $40,000 in debt, making a starter, you know, entry-level income. And I was going, this feels like too much, too much debt. How do I get rid of it? 
for a lot of people, they can sell the car. I didn't have a car payment. I couldn't sell the car. But in that regard, you know, we get calls on the show all the time and people go, should I sell the car? And if it's worth more than you owe on it and you're not underwater and you can make a nice profit and go get a beater car with that money, that's a great way to speed up this process. But for other types of debt, your credit cards, your student loans, you can't go sell your degree, unfortunately. That would be amazing. That might be a great side hustle for someone out there who can figure that out. <laughs> but it's those kinds of minute everyday decisions that causes you to make margin, to get out of debt, and to build wealth long-term. Coach, it's all about increasing that gap number, right? You've got to increase the gap number, you know, and, and there's two things that I thought of when George was just talking. The one of them, was, but the first one I have to say, wouldn't it be funny if all these kids that are graduating with like a degree in philosophy uh, and they're, 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 they've become really depressed over not being able to get a job, as it turns out, with a bachelor's degree in philosophy with $100,000 in debt, they went back and they said, okay, I'm, I'm going to give you this back. I want my money back. Oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> That'd be so funny. Oh, so what's the return policy on this? Yeah, what's the return policy? Yeah. Is this like uh, Costco? Can I return at any time if I'm dissatisfied? <laughs> that would be amazing. But, but the that's other thing, so true. The other thing that I thought about when you were just talking is, is that, you know, and, and we, we, uh, the book is written to middle income earners. And we always talk about the fact that, look, teachers are middle income earners. And so th- our audience, we hope, is not just teachers. We, 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 we definitely focus on teachers, but we want middle income earners to be able to get something out of this. But thinking about teachers specifically, teachers, and if you're, and, I, and there's a lot of teachers that listen and you're out there listening, look, you're a problem solver. Teacher, teachers solve problems every single day. They, they solve them on the fly. They're, we go home every night and we think about how we're going to reach this kid or how we're going to reach that kid. And what you were just saying was once you have the, the, that spirit of sacrifice, like I am going to get out of debt, I am going to build wealth, I'm going to become financially independent, you know, wherever you are in the journey. Teachers have, I, I think, are uniquely equipped. They have a skill set that allows them to become really creative. And, and that's the part that, you know, you can't give a one size fits all piece of advice. Like, I love listening to you talk just then. You, I mean, $20 a month for carrying. What, what did you say that was? I've never even heard of that. What was that? Which one? The, the 20, you got $20 a month. Oh, that was the, the big Nielsen. You were wearing. So the, yeah, the Nielsen rating. So for TV and radio, they use Nielsen. And so they use real people as a subset to kind of find out what the ratings are. What are we listening to? Did he listen to the Ramsey show? Was he watching the Kardashians? And so the little meter for doing that, the longer you turn it on, the more money you'll get. And again, it was like chump change, but it was that level of sacrifice. I'm going to do whatever it takes. The extra 20 bucks. Well, that's an extra 20 that's going to go on my debt. And that's yeah. 200 bucks a year. And, and what does that creative. do to my budget? And so that's the kind of creativity. And I think yeah. you're right. Teachers are very creative. They can decorate a classroom with like $4. It's amazing what <laughs> they can right. do. <laughs> and so it's, they have that mentality already because they already have to sacrifice in other areas of their life. And they're not people living in lavish luxury. And it's one of the reasons they're in the number three spot for net worth millionaires in our study. It's because they're not out here trying to fake a lifestyle. They're just trying to get through the day and do what they love to do. And they're not trying to impress people by buying stuff they don't need. It's right. funny, George. We had, a, we had a guest from Kentucky on season two, and she actually was a financial planner who switched into education. We've also had guests who were in education have switched to that. You rarely see somebody from the financial world going into education. And she said, honestly, she's like, of course, I could have made way more money staying where I was at. But she said, I had the heart of a teacher and she realized really quick that a lot of when you work for these firms, it's about sales and it's not about relationships and it's about products where she wanted to truly teach. But she said the fact that she's a teacher 
even though she had to restart her life with a divorce, is going to have her as a net worth millionaire with her husband, who her new husband, who's a firefighter. Uh, within the next five years, she said, because there isn't the societal pressure in the keep up with the Joneses thing, she said, all my students expect me to be poor anyway. So if I look like it, um, I could get to a millionaire faster. But Oh, that's awesome. That's such a great way to picture it because you think of a financial planning world and other industries where your coworkers are jabbing at you because you drive the beater. Well, every teacher is driving a beater, and so there's no expectation that you should be driving a BMW if you're a teacher. Nothing wrong with that, but there's no expectation of a certain lifestyle uh, when you are a teacher. And so that's one of the reasons I, I feel connected to teachers. Like, these are my people, okay? They're not trying to impress anyone out here. And when you can drop that piece of the puzzle of the comparison game, it is like a superpower when you don't care what other people think. That might be one of the, the greatest secrets to building wealth is not caring about what other people think and realizing if I, if I bought this and no one saw it, would I still buy it? That's a question that causes you to have some self-awareness and go, yeah, I was just trying to show off. I don't really need that purse or that pair of shoes. And so the purchases I make now are because I enjoy it. And sometimes that might be a nicer item. And I save up for it. I budget for it. And I have no regrets. And I'm not doing it to impress anyone, but to make myself happy to bring joy to my family. Coach, really- speaking of that B word, budget, and I'm yeah, sorry to interrupt. Like I know your coach is big on this one because, you know, I started my debt-free journey about seven years. Well, I finished my debt-free journey about seven years ago. Coach just got out of debt. So congratulations to coach. And he's now, you know, putting money into a Roth IRA. He's going to cash flow his master's degree uh, to become a principal. He's got lots of good stuff coming on, but one thing that Brandon's been disappointed with on the show, I think is the lack of transparency that many of our guests have had when it comes to budgeting. And it seems like a lot of people really aren't as intentional with the budget and they view that as such a mountain. They don't feel like they can get over. They just never even start. Brandon, I know that that's one of your big areas. If you want to speak on that and bring George in. Yeah, I've been, I've been a little, I've been a little disappointed with the answers that we've gotten from our guests on budgets. And what I, what I have gathered is, is that even those doing really well with money, they don't really have a great budget though. They're better than most, you know, they've, they've got maybe a spreadsheet and they're making sure they pay themselves first. And then they're kind of managing their money as they go. And I remember when I, when I didn't know the Ramsey principles, but I did know what a zero based budget was. I remember I went through and I said, well, I mean, we can afford what we're looking at because, you know, it zeroes out and we've got a, every penny's got an assignment and all that. And, and, uh, but it turns out we were given a lot of those pennies, the wrong assignment. As far as I'm concerned, you know, with the, with the goals that I have now, now, you know, of course your goals, you know, different people have different goals, but, uh, but, but as far as my goals go, goals are now like looking back and I was like, you know, every penny had an assignment, but it didn't necessarily have the right assignment. Mm. And so I think that it's, I think that it's really important to not only be intentional with your budget, but to really think about that budget uh, in a way that's more comprehensive. And I, what I, what we're finding is, is that once people kind of get over the hump and get out of debt and they sort of get a feel for what they can spend, they stop really paying attention to every penny and they're not on great budgets anymore. And um, I think that that causes some, um, you know, we, we, we used to call it backsliding. Uh, when you're in the church, you call it backsliding. We get, we see some financial backsliding that happens as a result. And so, you know, the, the budget, the budget thing is big and it's hard you know, and, and people struggle with it. So I think we got to keep talking about it, even though it's not exciting all the time, you know? 
Oh yeah, and you're so right. Once you get out of debt, you get the emergency fund. People go, okay, well, well, now what? I've kind of lost the the energy behind getting out of debt and getting the emergency fund is so intense. And then we move from intense to intentional in what we call baby step four and beyond as we start to invest in Safer Kids College. It's a longer term goal, and therefore you kind of start to coast a little bit, and that can start to uh, get you a little bit lazy when it comes to the budget. And so what I like to do and my wife and I, she works at Ramsey. We met here. Beautiful love story. Uh, so we're like fully in the Ramsey. We're dunked in the Ramsey Kool-Aid, if you will. And so when it comes to our budget, we need a goal. I think as humans, if we don't have some type of goal, that's when we start to coast. And so we need something to keep us motivated. And for me, it was, I'm going to drive the beater car until we pay our house off, and then I'm going to upgrade the car. That's when I feel like I'll, you know, it's it's not a sense of deserving it. You know, it feels like the wrong word there, but you've earned it a little bit. And if I don't have a carrot dangling in front of me, I'm going to stop running. And as humans, I feel like that sense of inertia, we, we need that. We need to keep moving in some way, shape, or form. And so have a goal, even if it's, hey, I want to go on a European vacation this year. We want to upgrade the car this year. We want to increase our spending when it comes to eating out to have some amazing food experiences like here in Nashville, there's a new restaurant every four seconds, and I'm always like, oh, we gotta go, we gotta add that to the list. Well, that's a lot of money if you keep eating out. That's right. So even when you're out of debt, having those goals, prioritizing it in your budget, we go, all right, we got our needs taken care of. So we always put the most important stuff first: those four walls: food, utilities, shelter, transportation. We've got our investing goals. We have our savings goals. Now comes all of life's little luxuries, right? Do you want the gym membership? Do you want Netflix and Hulu? Oh, Ted Lasso season three is now on Apple TV Plus. I guess we'll pay the extra five bucks for that. And so you can make those types of decisions once you're out of debt with the emergency fund. Life does get a little more lax where you can just be intentional instead of intense, but you can't let your foot off the gas completely. You still have to go, are we on track? Did we overspend on the food budget? Even though we have the money in the cushion, but what you're talking about is people go, as long as there's money in the account at the end of the month, we did pretty good. All right, next month. Right. But then they, five years later, they don't really know what happened to their money. They have nothing to right. show for it. They didn't really hit any goals. They haven't moved forward. And I need that forward momentum in life. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. As a matter of fact, what ended up working best for me was a different kind of budgeting. I kind of combined in my own personal life like four different budgeting systems. I ended up going with like a 50-30-20 plan as just a way to think about my budget. Because what I said was, okay, <clears throat> I know I'm not going to be able to get out of debt and build wealth if I'm spending more than 50% of my paycheck on living expenses. I've got to get that under 50. And then I said, okay, to, to include my mortgage, I cannot have more debt than 30%. Like 30%, that, that's just, I can't have it. I've got to have it under 30. And then 20% for savings investing, I said, that's a minimum. And so then it kind of gave me a, a way of thinking. I said, okay, I'm going to make sure that I'm going to try, the, the further I can get under 50%, the more saving investing money I have, the more I can get under 30%, the more saving investing money I have. So, so it's an, the idea for me was it's a constant goal to get my percentages even better. And so it kind of has kept me rolling or, or it's, it's, it's having that effect on me anyway, but yeah, you, you're so right. Having that, that constant goal, you know, Hey, let's, but you know, when people start paying themselves first, they're like, Hey, we're maxing out of Roth IRAs. You know, hey, we're, but they could be building wealth quicker. They could be, and I think I love what you just said there because you're you're going to get to the end of five years and you're going to realize that you squandered a lot of money that you could have done some really good things with. 
And, you know, I love the seventh principle in the Ramsey system. It's so that you can be generous, you know, so, you know, at, and at some point, you know, you, you're building wealth so that you're not focusing on yourself so much, but you're giving. And that's a major principle of what we want to be able to give and we want to be able to give outrageously if possible. And that's kind of who teachers are anyway. That, that's what we, we do that all the time. And so, you know, hopefully that's a carrot that can be out in front, you know. So. Yeah. And that, that's the pinnacle is once you get out of debt completely, the house is paid off and it's continue to build wealth and give. And people go, what, what does that mean? How do I do that? And so that's what uh, I love talking to people about, the opportunities to give in their own community. We've had tons of people who have followed our principles and now want to sponsor schools and pay for the curriculum to be in the school because a lot of schools' budgets aren't there. The teachers are like, I don't know how to, I, uh, what do we do here? And so they're coming in to sponsor the curriculum, which is such a cool way to give back to their local communities. And that can be individual donors, private donors, uh, local credit unions and banks have done this a lot. And so there's some really cool things you can do when you follow these principles and you have all of this margin at your disposal to, there's only three things you can do with it. Give it, save it, or spend it. And as you guys know, giving is the most fun you can have with money. And so we encourage you to do all three, but man, giving is the sweet spot. Yeah, that's actually how my students, uh, maybe seven or eight years ago, we got the foundations and personal finance way back. And I was, I had made a post on social media. Hey, I'm teaching this, uh, you know, curriculum at Jacksonville high school. You know, this is how much it costs. And sure enough, within two weeks, uh, it was in my mailbox and a local business owner who is a Ramsey follower had paid for the whole thing for our class. And wow, what an amazing, then, then they did it again as the new curriculum came out, they upgraded it for us. So, you know, very blessed. And, That's and, so and cool. we all have time, talent, and treasure, and they're going to be different moments in life where maybe you don't have as much time, maybe you don't have as much treasure, but when you can follow these principles and you can have all three of those going for you at the same time, you have the time because you've budgeted, you've bought your freedom back. You have the finances because you follow the principles of staying out of debt and investing. It's amazing what can happen when you're starting to mix all of those things together. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. So true. And on the spending side, we, you know, going back to the frugality, one of the reasons I'm still frugal to this day, even after getting out of debt, it's one of those habits that allows me to have more margin, that allows me to give more, that allows me to go on that vacation. And so that's why I still look for deals. And we just came back from a trip. And every single piece of the puzzle, I was going, which I take full charge of this. I don't let my wife do it only because I am more willing to do the research and find the deal and spend a few hours because I'm like, we could save hundreds and hundreds of dollars uh, just by being more diligent and intentional with every piece of this from the flights to the hotels, to the restaurants that we choose, to the transportation methods we choose. And so, for example, we just went to New York. And I realized it's $100 each way to go from the airport to the hotel. And so I was like, we're going to take public transportation. And it's going to be an adventure and a memory. And so we're lugging luggage up and down the stairs and subways, switching over to the bus. You know, we're witnessing a few fights uh, along the way. And it was part of the adventure. But you're like, oh, we just saved $98 that we can now use towards a great meal. And so you just have to prioritize what is, what's worth my time and my money and for the hotels, we did Priceline Express to where the, the person checking us in looked at it and they were like, you didn't book this through us, did you? I was like, no. And they're like, this is an, I've never seen this rate on, on this room before. I was like, thank you, Priceline Express. I worked really hard on that. And so there's little things like that where you put the extra effort in to save the money so that you can use it elsewhere. And so that's how I view frugality. It's not just like people think, well, you're just being a cheapskate. And I don't like that word cheap. 
because again, I told you earlier, I'm bougie frugal, which is a very different type. I want to enjoy life to the fullest, have nice things, but I want to make sure I'm very intentional with every single dollar because I'm a steward of every dollar that comes my way. I think that and is a book. That's a, there, it's a different way to look at it. What's bougie the book? Frugal. That sounds bougie. like the next Ramsey Solutions book. I think there's a target demo out there of people who have like, they followed the plan. They like to have nice things. And Rachel Cruz and I, Dave's daughter, we started a podcast called Smart Money Happy Hour. And a lot of the conversation stems around the concept of bougie frugal because Rachel and I have followed these principles for a long time and we enjoy nice things, the finer things in life, great meals, great experiences, great vacations, but we want to help people do it on a budget. And I especially want to help you do it to where you're still getting a deal uh, by doing those research, by doing all the research, using the right tools and apps and websites and trackers and all the nerdy stuff that we could dig into uh, to make sure we're being intentional. You know, um, the probably the thing there, I, I, that was all really good stuff. Um, psychologically, <clears throat> excuse me, they, we, we are all either wired sort of as spinners or savers. And I think the thing that worries me when I see people let take the foot off the gas is that they got themselves in trouble because they are probably are wired as spenders and they're spending their money and they're using money to buy things. And for a moment in time, in order to get out of debt, they, they overcame that and sort of rewired themselves as savers. And they said, okay, well, I'm going to become frugal. I'm going to, I got to get out of debt. The debt's become too painful. I can't keep doing this. But, but when I see them start falling back into those old habits now it's almost like they're becoming wired as they're, they're, they're going back to that and they're going to get themselves in trouble again because they're going back to those old spending. And so I like that idea of bougie frugal because you're finding ways and you're being creative in order to continue to do the things you love to do, but you're doing it on the best possible price that you can get and, and being smart about it. And, um, and again, you know, we keep coming back to those same things, sacrificial, but creative, <laughs> We're creatively mm. sacrificing so that we can achieve our financial goals while at the same time enjoying life in the present. And, you know, if you don't enjoy life in the present, it makes it tough because it is a marathon. It's not a sprint, you know. So. Oh, yeah. Well, the savers need the spenders and vice versa because the savers can tend to be fuddy-duddies. And I've been in that boat where I'm like, well, why would you have fun when you can save money? Saving money is the most fun you can have by not doing things. And so I need people in my life who are like, dude, we're going out. Like, let's go enjoy a great meal. Let's go have. And so I need those people because if you just do one side, you're going to be miserable. And if you just do the other side, you're going to be miserable. And so you need to have the right balance of spending and saving and giving uh, to enjoy life to the fullest. So I did develop five questions that your listeners can ask. Uh, and this is in Financial Peace University in Lesson 5, the new updated version, uh, to help people become smart spenders. And it actually spells out the word smart as an acronym. Do you think that's cute? I love it. Okay. Let me walk you guys Good through this real quick. And I want to get your thoughts on this and see uh, if you've lived this out, because I'm sure you have. So SMART, it starts with the S for self-awareness. And this is the question before you make a purchase, ask yourself, will this add value to my life? And most people would say, well, yeah, ice cream adds value to my life. I want the ice cream. And so, but the real heart behind this is, what is the utility behind this? Is this something that is actually going to be useful to my life versus just a temporary joy that is fleeting, uh, something that's going to sit in my closet with tags on it, uh, which leads to the next question, the M for motive. Am I buying this for the right reason? That is a heart question. And usually it's, 
I'm sad. I was angry. I had a long day. Uh, I was pressured. I was comparing to my friends on Instagram. Uh, I had an awkward conversation with my mother-in-law. These are all bad motives to make any purchase. And so ask yourself, is it the right motive? Am I doing this for me? Um, once you can say yes to those two, you move on to the A for affordability. This one is in your wheelhouse, guys. Is this in my budget? Can I afford to pay for this in full, in cash, today, without setting back other financial goals? Now, if we answered this correctly, America would not be in debt. We'd be zero dollars in debt if we said, yes, I have this money, I can pay for this without going into debt. If you can say yes to that, we move on to the R. And this is the one we've been nailing on this whole uh, interview, is research. Is this the best option, retailer, and price? Most of the time, something just popped in our face on Instagram, and we impulsively swiped and hit add to cart. Well, I usually like to take about, you know, five minutes and just do some research online, use Google Shopping, uh, do some price comparisons to see, is this actually a good deal? Oh, I can buy this at another retailer for $25 less with free shipping. Well, let me do that. Or, hey, Black Friday's coming up. I know they're going to have at least 20% off sale. I can wait a few weeks till Black Friday hits to make that purchase. And that, I think, is where people can make up the most margin in their budget is just by focusing on that R for research. If you can say yes, it's the best option, retailer, and price, the last question is timing. Is now the time to buy it? Just because we said yes to all of those, it may not be the time. We may have other priorities in life. We talk about opportunity cost a lot. If I go buy this, well, then I can't fund the Roth IRA. I can't go on the vacation. I can't do X, Y, Z. And so if now's not the time to buy it because we're in debt, because there's other priorities, because it's November and we got to shop for Christmas, then it's just going to have to wait. And that's the key with all of these. If you say no to any of them, it just means not now. And we can't have a childlike attitude and cry and go, no, I need the thing. It's just a not now. We can have it. But delayed gratification is one of the keys to building wealth. And this is a great way to master it, is to start to ask ourselves these questions before we make a purchase and do it with confidence, with intentionality, with no regret. Man, that's all really wow. good stuff. I think I was I was thinking about it in my head as you were going through, and I don't I've never really thought about it in those terms uh, or I've never actually made a decision in, by asking myself those questions, but I kind of automatically ask myself those questions every time. And I, and here's the other thing, and this is because I just got out of debt and because I'm, you know, the, the, where I'm at in my journey, I look for a reason to say no. Like I don't, I, I, I'll take, I'll take that quick no over a slow yes uh, on all mm. of those, because if I can quickly kind of conclude, no, now I don't think I'll be like that in every season of my life though. I mean, there's going to come a time when I, I can say yes a little more freely, but, um, but, but the one that, the one that really got me. So right now, you know, I, I'm having to buy some new clothes and things and I'm, it's really grieving me because I don't want to buy new clothes, but you know, some of the ones I don't fit and, you know, I don't want to be sloppy, but uh, my Amazon rule is it has to sit in my card for 24 hours before I purchase because sometimes I'll come back 24 hours later or so, 36 hours, and I'll say, yeah, yeah, that's not, I don't want that. That's, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that. So I kind of have a rule for myself on that one, which is kind of interesting. That's so, smart. And make sure to look for the free returns button. I'm always like, great. Yeah, you right, know, right. You, How many things have you bought and then you return it? Or hopefully you don't forget to return it. That's always the key. Don't miss yeah. those windows. That's exactly right. But, uh, and the timing thing, you know, I, I can almost always say no to a purchase because I could say, well, just not right now, you know, not right now I, I can, I can, I probably don't have to have this right now. I can probably wait on that. 
Um, but these are the ways uh, this has been a great interview and, and all great stuff from you as we knew it would be um, as teachers are trying to put good sound financial principles into practice and middle income earners trying to do the, trying to do this and, and accomplish goals, get out of debt, build wealth, do all those things. You're just not going to do it without being frugal, but it's being frugal. If I just say be frugal, you know, Benjamin Franklin virtue, you know, I, if I just say be frugal, it, that's not really enough. You've got to add some context to it. And some of what you've said today with the bougie uh, frugality and, and the balance between spending and saving, you know, when you start adding context to it, I think it doesn't seem as daunting as it does when you just say, oh, no, you've got to become the miser. You're, you're Ebenezer Scrooge, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. You know, so that's good stuff. Great context to that. Well, and your why behind it. I mean, we talk about getting out of debt. The biggest key is having a why. Because if you don't have a real good reason to do it, then why go through all the effort? And the same thing applies to frugality. If you don't have a why behind it, we're just doing it to be frugal, to, I don't know, stick it to the man and save 50 cents. Well, that's a losing game. You're not going to keep that up. But the reason I do it is because I always have another goal, which means I always want more margin. And I'm always going, if I can be more intentional here, well, I can have a little more freedom over here we can get the appetizer with the entree if we can just save on this purchase over here. And so when you think about it like that, it gives you a reason to be frugal and it puts a little bit of uh, weight to it instead of just, why am I going to go save 50 cents? It might be hundreds of dollars. I had a team member come up to me and said, I use your Southwest hack multiple times in the last few weeks and I've saved hundreds of dollars. And nothing gives me more joy than people saving money so that they can reach their money goals faster. Yeah, I think just like with students, right? You know, we've all had those students, Brandon, where they're like, man, I can't wait to graduate high school. I never want to have to take another test or quiz again. It's like they want to check out mentally in life. I'm like, dude, I'm like, well, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to join the military. Oh, so you think you're never going to learn again. You're never going to pick up rank as you go, you know, up the up the ladder. Oh, yeah. um, but I think that's how we are sometimes with our money and our budgets. I just got out of debt. I'm now investing 15% and screw it. Now, we have to continually reevaluate where we're at. Maybe you're getting an unexpected tax return. Maybe you get a bonus at work. Maybe you get a raise. If you're not intentional, again, as you guys both mentioned earlier, you could be squandering future opportunities, whether it be mm. giving, whether it be your children, your grandchildren, uh, the community. So we've got to always reassess and never think that we've arrived. That's so good. Coach, Absolutely. so excited. Uh, you've done a lot of the work on this book. Uh, people can check out our social media to, to place an order for one of those copies. And I really look forward to the rest of these episodes as we kind of highlight some of the principles in the book. And so honored to have George on the show for our first episode since announcing the release of the book. Yeah, it is such an honor for the invite, guys. Thank you so much. And congrats again on the book. I hope it does wildly well. I encourage everyone to go check that out. You guys are incredibly smart, incredible hearts. Love your mission. George, thank you so much, man. And it, it really means a lot that you, you know, you come on the show, you know, you're, you're on there almost every day with, with, with Dave and, you know, hosting a podcast, but then you would come and talk to teachers, you know, on a, on a small podcast by, you know, a guy's named Dave and Brandon in Eastern North Carolina. And we just really appreciate you taking the time, man. Thank you very much. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you guys. Yeah. Thank you so much, George. Thank you, Brandon. And thank you to all the listeners for joining us on this week's version of the Fit Educator Podcast. I've got a little spin here, coach. I'm ditching Warren Buffett. And my new saying, the new tagline is going to be be frugal, be fearless, and be a lifelong learner. Take care, everybody. Thank you.